Hey folks, welcome to Trek to the Holodeck. I'm Jan. And I'm D- D- Dylan. I almost said Darius because <laughs> Darius is gone and I'm not Darius. I'm Dylan. <laughs> Great. And uh, we also have a wonderful guest today and it, it her name is Kiri. Hey, Kiri. Hi. Happy Hello. to be here. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Uh, we know that you've been a longtime fan and you've listened to every one of our episodes several times. So, uh, yeah, doing you the, the great favor of <laughs> letting you on. <laughs> no, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Kiri is awesome. Uh, she is uh, probably like the most into Star Trek person that I've met. Uh, in, but, well, I don't know. Mark's pretty into it, but yeah, uh, definitely. It's awesome how much you like it. Also, you're a big Dax fan. Is that right? That's right. That's right. If I could be any Star Trek character across the Trek universe, it would definitely be Dax. And are you like a a Jadzia purist or are you down (laughs) with the symbiote? I, you know, well... I would want to be Dax, not necessarily just Jedzia Dax. I mean, part of what I love about the Trill concept is that they have so many identities uh, throughout time. So that being said, uh, I think Jedzia is beautiful and fascinating and way hotter than Esri. Ooh. 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 Starting out the episode real, Hot. real toasty. Are there Spicy takes. Jedzia purists? Is that like a thing? Yeah, there are people who are like Esri they, was a, is an abomination because <laughs> yeah. Which well, I think no, is no, I know that. Much. No, but I mean, yeah. to, I mean to like the uh, the symbiote. Are there people that are like fuck the symbiote? <laughs> I, just like this one person she should have never <laughs> been joined. Uh, I don't know actually. I, that's it, that's not what I intended with that. Oh, okay, okay, I see, I see. That would be weird. Though. I would assume that there are like a very small amount of people that are that way for some odd reason. Right. Uh, have you, um, Kiri? Have you seen Lower Decks? Have you watched Lower Decks? I have been watching Lower Decks. Yes. Uh, there was a recent episode where the Trill character Barnes on it talks about. I think it's the first episode of the second season. She's like, um, uh, "My sister's been so annoying since she got joined." And uh, Rutherford's like, "Oh yeah, because her personality changed." Like, no, she just can't stop talking about it, and that's what like <laughs> D- Dylan's thing made me think of right. uh, like some yes. trill hate join trill just because they're annoying. <laughs> <laughs> it's like somebody who got into Harvard or something. You know? exactly. just can't stop talking about it. It's like, okay, <laughs> buddy. Um, nice. I do. Curie, when did your Star Trek journey start? I'm always curious about like how people got into it and and where they started. Yeah, that's always a great question. Um, I was I was born into it, uh, mm. so I was raised with it. My mother um, is a inveterate. Trekkie. My uh, maternal uncle, her little brother is also a big Trekkie. So really it's been with me since I was born. I I didn't have a choice in the matter. Yeah. 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 I totally get that. I was kind of the same way. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, some of my earliest memories are watching The Next Generation with my parents and it was on super late. So I think I would often fall asleep to it as a kid. Yeah, I mean, this betrays my age, but my my mother always had the DVD box sets of Next Generation playing around. And then, um, I don't know if you guys remember this, but do you remember how there would be those Friday night Trek marathons on Spike TV, the network for men? Oh, my God. They I also never had, got this. Uh, we've talked about this before, but yeah. they also have the mid-afternoon ones. And that's how I watched so Same. much of it in college. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, 
So that's how you did it, Kiri? You, you My TV network for men. Yeah. <laughs> I was, uh, they had reruns on BBC for me. So I'd get home from high school and just watch TNG until I fell asleep. Or I probably, I actually fell asleep like the moment I started watching it and then would wake up intermittently between episodes. Soothing. It's very soothing. I, I truly think like the best things in life are the things that you can nap while you're watching them and also enjoy them. And Trek for and, me is like, ooh, chef's kiss. And then the TNG uh, theme plays at the yeah, end and of then the episode. Don't wake you up. <laughs> <laughs> Those uh, horns are so loud. They are very <laughs> intense. <laughs> Yes, yes. That's why please. the Deep Space Nine theme is kind of mm-hmm. nice because it's a little more soothing. Mm-hmm. It's not mm-hmm. as crazy. Yeah, they they keep throughout the seasons making it faster, and it's still like this is just like a slow march of a <laughs> of a theme. Uh, it, yeah. It's definitely the slowest of all of them. Uh, I do like adding sound effects to the little ships flying around. So Did go, they add that? Yeah, I go. Really? Vroom. Yeah. Oh, do. you do. Bup, 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 bup. I, I thought I they yeah. did like later for some reason. They were like, uh, we forgot to put the sound effects in. Like five years later, let's put the sound effects in. Yeah. That's so cute. I'm imagining you, you on your couch just and making yeah. the sounds. It's incredible. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of, we're today we're doing Looking for Parmok in All the Wrong Places from Deep Space Nine. It's from season five, episode three. It first aired October 14th, 1996. Wow. So really excited about this episode. It turns out it's one of my favorites. Uh, and, uh, we're just going to do our intro real quick. So everybody, uh, <laughs> strap into your mind control <laughs> collar that lets you make another person do, do your stuff. exact movements mm-hmm. uh, and uh, turn the holodeck safeties off because we're about to go on a trek to the to holodeck. We believe these simulations to be this real. Much of it is real, sir. I disengage the safety protocols. Not that even a holographic bullet can kill. It's all a holographic simulation. Please enter program. I was thinking of something a little more intimate. Program complete. You may enter. That was like a five and a half, Jan. Okay. You could have gone longer. <laughs> Dylan and Darius. Horrible. I'm just well, going to Dylan and Darius, they go nuts. Way too but, long. But Those we've intros. also had a long, yeah. Um, Way too but long. They give me shit for 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 not. That one was good though. I like the okay. premise. Thanks, man. Because what are those? That thing. Jadzia is like, oh yeah, of course. Everyone knows about the the thing that you can <laughs> like zombie somebody with. Like everyone knows about that. M- marionette a person. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I think it's like low key one of the coolest Jadzia moments ever because she's just like, oh yeah. I know exactly what will work for this situation. And she sciences up a solution to Serrano de Bergerac work with warmth. And it's also like so cool that she, in a way, I don't think she's like doing it um, Machiavellianly, but it makes it so she can still hang out with Worf and do Klingon stuff and help out her buddy Quark. Uh, and who like she loves Ferengis. It's just like the most Dax episode ever. And she's a scientist mm-hmm. uh, getting to do her science stuff. It's not just she's a lady, you know? Yeah. Well, I, um, I haven't watched DS9 in a very, very long time. And every time we do a DS9 episode, I'm 
I say this every time, but I'm quickly reminded how fucking great it is. And like the moment that I was like, it just filled my heart with joy is that moment where Quark comes in and interrupts <clears throat> Worf and Jadzia. And uh, Quark is like, I need help with, uh, you know, getting this lady. And him and Jadzia start giggling together like a bunch of little, like, just little children about whatever. And Worf is like, and so, like, cartoonishly weird. It just warmed my heart. And uh, you don't, I don't get a whole lot of that on TNG or Voyage or any, any of the other shows. Uh, Kiri, are you uh, primarily like a deep space? Like, is that, that's your favorite show now, right? Or. I wouldn't say so necessarily. No, I actually okay. think TNG will always be first in my heart because that's again what I was raised with. I didn't actually watch DS9 and uh, Voyager all the way through until my early 20s. Um so it was mostly TNG at home and also Enterprise actually. Uh yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm a weird Enterprise <laughs> stan. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think it's it's it definitely should be held to task for some of its choices, but I think it, it it's really it's got some 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 really great arcs in it. Uh, well, only, yeah, that's because we're we, we're big Deep Space Nine. I'm only like now, seven so. episodes into Enterprise, and I every show has its own vibe. Like TNG is like, and I think uh, we had a, a, a guest a few weeks ago, Matt Apodaca, who. Uh, pointed out, he's like, he's really into th- people, like things where people do their jobs. And I yes. think TNG is that, mm. you know, people doing their jobs extremely competently. And Deep Space Nine is much more in that modern vein of serialized. Yeah. Um, I mean, you yeah. still get to see people do their jobs competently. Which, it, But it's the, it's like almost like it's the echoes of the, like the consequences of their job. Like uh, <laughs> O'Brien all the time just, Except in this episode, O'Brien's not doing his job in this episode, very clearly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so first off, this was written by Ronald D. Moore, who we all know is really a crucial part of Deep Space Nine. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was directed by Andrew Robinson, who plays Garrick. This is the first episode of Star Trek he ever directed. Didn't we do one last week that he directed? We did. That's the Dang. second episode that he ever directed. We did the Voyager episode, Blood Fever, last weekend. Nice. Um, and I think uh, it really shows, like, these are very acting-intensive episodes. I think mm-hmm. the the acting-to-character work in this episode is fantastic. I think it's so fun. Yeah, uh, it feels like a party almost. Uh, everybody gets <laughs> to play their character to a heightened point. Yeah, um, the music was by Yokiro David Bell, our guy. Ding. And then there's a yeah. bell, and then yeah. there should be. It should have happened. The bell should have yeah. happened already. So uh, in in the final version, you'll hear a bell. <laughs> uh, so here's a here's a question that I have about the music here, because. And I couldn't find an answer. There is Klingon opera in this episode. Mm-hmm. Do you think David Bell composed the Klingon opera? It's a really good question. <laughs> How does one even start? Because all I ever hear about it is if it's just you can't listen to it unless you're Klingon. That's all I ever hear about it on the show. It's just like Worf is in his like defiant garage. He's got the speakers on Max. <laughs> I love, yeah, I love that the Defiant is like his dad garage, basically. Yeah. <laughs> because, yeah. Yeah. His, his Klingon cave. 
God. I want I want them to have like Worf has posters and stuff in there, you know? Like he's got just like a bunch of prune juice containers just littering the Layered area. Everywhere he's gotta clean it up before they have to actually use it. That's incredible. I love that image. Um I would hope David Bell did it. I would assume he did. Or if is there a credit in there's like, not the, the episode? There's for no the credit, queen? really. Yeah, and I think this there's like two episodes where you where you hear Klingon opera. Now somebody has produced a Klingon opera. Jesus, I'm seeing that now. Would you go? <laughs> would you go, Kiri? I would absolutely go. I went to that Klingon Christmas Carol production when it was in the greater Chicagoland area. So. What? Hold on. Oh, that's back up. <laughs> We're never going to get to the summary of this episode. We're not. We? We're that's, not. That's our standard. All, yeah. <laughs> All we do is ramble about just various yeah. things. If you're annoyed with us, no, and I no. understand why you would be, uh, it doesn't all. get any better. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't get any better. Yeah. Those are the kinds of things we love to hear, hear Kiri. So I'm going to, yes, cede the floor to you. Tell us what you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, I think this is while I was still in college and I went home for the holidays and uh, my mother had purchased us tickets to a Klingon Christmas Carol performance. Um, and of course, I asked her, OK, what the heck is this? And, and she was very excited because it was a performance that was done entirely in Klingon. So based on the classic Christmas Carol story, oh but they had God. written a libretto entirely in Klingon. And I think they had hired language consultants and all sorts of things. Holy shit. Did they do the little like a subtitle thing on the stage? So you could How know did what they they're negotiate? saying. Yeah. I may, I'm trying to remember. I think so. I think there was some sort of subtitle or translation or something. I can't, I'm trying to, they- yeah, I think there were, I think there were super titles if I recall actually. Um, and then, uh, yeah, full costumes, um, well, and my my mother had bought my, at the silent auction uh, for my uncle the gift of appearing for two lines, uh, fully <gasps> dressed in Klingon oh my garb. Um, so it was a whole family affair. Holy uh, shit! Yeah. <laughs> How is a Klingon Scrooge? I feel like that's yeah, just awesome. That sounds perfect. It was good. Yeah, and and Tiny Tim was played by a puppet, a Klingon puppet. So <laughs> okay. Um, so this is like a cross of Christmas Carol, Muppet Christmas Carol, and Klingons. <laughs> yeah, it was everything you've ever hoped and dreamed of. Um, I think it came through LA at some point or another, or maybe, so, I don't know. Anyway, it's out there. It, it may be coming to a to a small theater near you. Um, Merry Christmas. Yes, perfect timing. <laughs> it uh, is, yeah. It's a season. <laughs> yeah. Uh, were there, did they make any changes to the story to make it more Klingon-y or did they try to do yes. like, okay. Yes, they did. I, now it's, this was quite a few years ago at this point. Sure. So I can't remember exactly how they did, but it was all, you know, yeah, it was very narratively well-construed by people who understand Star Trek well. So very, it was very fun. I remember having a very good time. Yeah. Did they change some of the things like, I'm, I'm trying to think of what, what I would I'm curious how culturally they went. Like, did they change Scrooge, the Klingon Scrooge, to be more like, is he hoarding honor or something? Or like, what? Like that. Again, I don't. Oh, God. It's so long ago now. I. 
I'm looking at a photo. There's one on the internet that would be very happy to answer all of your questions. <laughs> There's lots of videos, Jan. Yeah. Okay. I'm looking at a photo right now okay. and it looks like the most one of the like weirdest, most heartwarming things I've ever seen. Yeah, it, it's definitely <laughs> that. Well, this this just makes me think about like uh okay, we'll get to the recap in a second, but I just think that Klingons <laughs> are low-key the nerdiest cre- yes. beings in Star Trek. I and yeah. Worf is the nerdiest of them all. That was lit- the first thing that I wrote down in my notes was like, Worf is such a fucking loser. <laughs> he's just like such he's just he's in his dad garage listening to opera and is like has a crush on this lady that doesn't like him yeah. and like he's oh. a deadbeat dad <laughs> he's a, <laughs> God. who uh, shipped his son off to, to, to go live with his parents <laughs> he wants so bad to be accepted by the Klingons and he just keeps doing stuff to piss him off you're right I never had really thought about how much of a loser Worf is before but I say it in the most endearing. I love Worf as a character. Like I say that, like I Worf is one of my favorite characters. But I love watching him just like try so hard to be a Klingon and never. I mean, he does. He's a Klingon in his own way. But when that guy is like, it's cool. You've never really dealt with a Klingon woman before. You're what sixty five years old. However old he, I don't know how old he is. Worf, but, I think he's in the thirties. I think he's in his thirties. He's 30s. in his third. Oh, how yeah. how long do Klingons live for? What's the age? Oh, like more than hundred fifty years if they survive that long. So yeah. he's like a teenager still. Kind of, yeah. We've just been watching Teenager Wharf. Basically, deadbeat yeah. Teenager Wharf dad. I th- I think the implication is they grow up really fast because Alexander oh, okay. grows up really fast okay and then they're just because you know it makes sense in a warrior culture or a species that has evolved in an aggressive way like that like you get into fighting age really fast Mm -hmm. and presumably you die in combat early if you live long enough you just go on a suicide mission and then (laughs) that's it that sounds about right physiologically they're just like really they have a lot of redundant systems and stuff yeah Hmm. incredible um yeah, we. I want to talk more about Worf as a character uh, caught between cultures, too. Um, but first, let's uh, do a 30-second recap of the episode now that we're 20 minutes into the <laughs> into it. Uh, Kiri, are you open to, 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 to do a 30-second recap? Yeah, I'll try to keep it in 30 seconds. Um, cool. And anything we're gonna, you miss... We're going to cut you off right at 30 seconds. We are. We do do that. We do cut you off. And then really? we'll, we'll okay. fill it in. Yeah. It's on the it's on the timer. you got to get as much out as you can as fast as possible. And I just want to throw this out there. It is customary to indicate at the end whether or not anybody banged. So we do... It is something that we... we it's a tra- tra- tradition we started when there, we did the episode where Tuvok bangs his holographic wife. Yeah. Uh, so um, just, you know, if if people bang, I hope that that makes it in there. All right. Uh, so um, <laughs> I'll just start the timer whenever you start. Okay. So the A story goes that this beautiful aristocratic Klingon woman named Grilka comes to Deep Space Nine. She seeks financial help from her ex-husband of convenience, Quark. Quark (laughs) is all too happy to help this very attractive ex-wife with whom he never consummated the marriage. Worf also sees Grilka from afar uh, and is immediately smitten um, and wishes to pursue her. Both Quark and Worf uh, face challenges, however, in winning the woman of their affections. Quark is inexperienced in the ways of Klingon courtship and Worf. Okay, but keep going. Finish it. Finish (laughs) it. Son of Moog is from a dishonored house and not exactly what anyone would call a ladies' man. So, um, uh, Quark has access to Grilka, 
Worf has the cultural advice, uh, and they end up working together. Quark effectively courts her with uh, dinners, gestures, and mythological Klingon holodeck role play um, until finally her jealous bodyguard, Thobak, uh, challenges Quark <laughs> to a batleth duel that Quark will surely lose. Um, so then Dax, Quark, and Worf team up, finally, I guess, devising a plan using a set of remote sensory connective <laughs> devices. Unclear how exactly those functions and we don't get any gack about it, which I was really disappointed about. I wanted some, I, I feel like the episode needed some more gack there, but um, Worf serves anyway as a puppet master and control Quark's movements in the battle. Um, with Worf and Jadzia's help, Quark wins the battle and the woman. Um, and, and they bang. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, Worf uh, also, though, has an epiphany in his sort of horny state, um, <laughs> having you know been on the, the remote end, about to consummate um, his relationship with Grilka, but unable to, uh, in that Dax is right there and she's pretty hot, uh, girl <laughs> next door, and uh, she's been dropping hints all along. And so, yes, they also bang. Um, that's the A story. I can tell the B story as well very quickly. Can you tell that I'm training to be a professor by the fact that I cannot limit myself to 30 seconds, no matter how hard I try? I mean, it, this is detailed. Usually people, I mean, us included, we get 20 seconds in and we're still on the first scene, like describing a flower that's on the table or something. Yeah, we're, we're yes, please do the B story. That would yeah. be great. Okay, quick B story recap. Um, Miles O'Brien and Kira who is serving as the surrogate for Miles and Keiko's baby, um, begin getting entirely too close for their own comfort. Um, while Miles and Kira claim the relationship to be entirely platonic, amidst living together and frequent uh, pregnancy foot massages and neck rubs, the sexual tension begins to suffuse the relationship. Um, Kira decides uh, to take a trip to Bajor in order to get some space. But Keiko, worried about their unborn child and potentially totally enjoying this whole cuckolding reality, um, insists that <laughs> Kira uh, should go along. Uh, yeah, you know, we're all acting like Keiko's oblivious in this episode, but I don't I don't think that's... No, don't think she's so. not. Okay, so she's no, not she knows what's up and she likes it. I think um, she's really pushing for a throuple. I think like oh, yeah. the moment that happened, she was like, this is my moment. You go with her. <laughs> Yeah, it'll be fine. Yeah. Or she, or she's got her own business back on on Deep Space Nine that she wants to get taken care of. <laughs> she's like, um, I need space. Yeah, because yeah. ensign whoever is going to come and mourn, you know. But and anyway, ultimately, <laughs> both um, Miles and Kira they get to the shuttlecraft to go on this vacation. But just as about their take about to take off, they decide to turn around, realizing that certain liaisons are best left to the imagination. Um, and, uh, ultimately, you know, they do not bang. So there is, there are, there, there is banging between two different couples. And then one third couple, uh, is, is left unsatisfied at the end. Yeah. I love it. Uh, and I think that is a perfect summary of this episode and perfect, uh, a great barometer, or I don't know if barometer is the right word, but like different types of intimacy are explored mm -hmm. in this. And I think mm -hmm. it's so cool. 
I don't mm-hmm. think you saw this stuff in the '90s very often, especially on something like Star Trek. Uh, I think I think we're all interested in talking about that B story a little bit more if you're open to it, Kiri. Sure. Um, and and Dylan, are you coming? Yeah. Um, which, which, but this whole thruple <laughs> thing. Uh, yeah, I think we're all in agreement, right? She, I think it's she's. There's no way she's that oblivious. Just there's that no one, way. There's no way, right? She's excited when she walks in and like they stop, like when Brian stops doing a massage, she's like, please don't stop. Uh, I'd like to watch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, See, I'm getting less like threesome or thruple vibes than like uh-huh. voyeur cuckolding vibes. Like this sure. is like, she's not like into Kira per se. She's into the kind of like watching and the control or the lack of control. I mean, I think, I think that there's, yeah, there's definitely, but she's definitely consenting to the situation. And that I appreciate in the episode, you know, she's not an angry, jealous wife at all. Um, and, you know, she cares about her baby and she's also, you know, getting something out of making both uh, Miles and Kira squirm. Um, yeah. So that that was my interpretation of her character. Wow. I like that. And I think that's a lot deeper than the th- the readings that I've, I've seen of this uh, dynamic. Uh, it being is more specifically a cuckolding thing. And I'm not like, I only was introduced to the concept of that as like, um, I don't know if fetish is the right word, but you know, mm-hmm. something that people would be into until like maybe like a year ago. Cause I always thought like, there's no way, but it, it works both ways too. Right. And and you mentioned a, an aspect of, of domination. Yeah. So would you describe Keiko yeah. as like definitely like the in control dominant person. I don't know if you guys remember that episode in which she's like taken over by this alien who is forcing Miles to do all this shit. The Paw Wraith, yeah. Yeah, right. That's right. The Paw Wraith. Um, and I feel like she was channeling some of that energy, uh-huh. that sort of manipulative energy totally. in this episode. So, at that being said, though, you could read it in another way, which is that she's a very smart woman and she knows that, you know, the best way to not threaten her marriage is to kind of let this play out and to stay calm rather than so, to go not so <laughs> right yeah which i think is great and i love you know that's it this episode plays on your expectations in that way because in the first scene of the whole thing the cold open mm-hmm. julian's eavesdropping which mm-hmm. we can talk about sketchy julian so in this episode. Weird. he's never been written this way i think it's so weird Maybe in the first season, but okay. Uh, so he's eavesdropping, and the we are all used to Keiko and O'Brien going at it. Mm-hmm. So we think, oh, it's these those two are fighting. Mm-hmm. And when Keiko shows up, you're like, wait, what? What dynamic dynamic are we talking about here? Well, so what I love this too is I'd love oh. to that you know she's chill about it and she calms them down. And then throughout the episode, it's really the women who are calm and in control and know what they want, and the men who are just falling over themselves with. <laughs> Uh, desperation and confusion and jealousy. It's insane. Yeah. You're totally correct about <laughs> that. Uh, it, it is so funny. I actually had a big note and it's just a general, it's a very accurate observation about Star Trek in general, up, like through, especially through the Rick Berman era of like mm-hmm. Star Trek is all the like the nerdiest dudes with the weirdest hobbies who have <laughs> weird things about them and the three most beautiful women in the galaxy. Like every that's every series is like, here are these awesome, cool ladies and the nerds they have to deal with uh, and just seeing like Grilka and um, and Keiko. And uh, what well, do you say Kira's in control? I feel like she's kind of caught up in everything. 
Yeah, I guess she's a she's a little caught up, but you know, she's self-possessed. She's um able to make the decision that ultimately is best for her and her friendships yeah. and her uh She's the one who stops the whole thing. Cause the yeah. one thing I noticed is like Miles was like Could he was like, work? we shouldn't, but he was like, he was in. He was like, oh, yes. Yeah. And she was like, nah, dude, <laughs> we should do this. Like yeah, she's like, Miles. Go home. <laughs> yeah, get, get, go home. <laughs> it's, she also has a type which is like really tortured, powerful people. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, she she was into and that, that is, Vedic. And now she's she's currently dating, I think, at this point, yes. the effectively the king of Bajor. I mean, the, pre, <laughs> the um, I forget what they're called, but he's like the premier, you know? Yeah. Um, and Miles O'Brien is not that. <laughs> so let's face it, too. If O'Brien, if he were like a little hotter... Yeah. <laughs> he might have been a little uh, a little bit less able to control himself. Let's That's see. Kira usually bats a little bit higher than uh mm-hmm. than, than, Miles, than Miles. So yeah. I think <laughs> just all the massages. That'll do it. Uh I mean a good massage is worth a lot. Like, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, but I think that she was like, Well, my dude's hotter anyway. I'm not yeah. gonna Yeah, she thought worry. about her guy and was like and looked at Miles and was like, eh, You're cool, but I'm going to go. Yeah. <laughs> this has <Yeah>. been fun. <laughs> I mean, I th- I've never been pregnant um, and I, I, I won't be ever, but I also, I'm sure that like the hormone rush of you know, whatever's happening to her body, you know, being pregnant and all that probably has an impact. And mm-hmm. you spend all this time with this person and the intimacy of it. Uh, I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of people have been in a situation where it's like, well, am I attracted to this person? I don't know. Yeah. I, you wouldn't normally be a person that I'm attracted, but there's no, but I am attracted to you. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean? What does that mean With about me? Kira's pregnancy, I feel like, I remember thinking this when I first watched it and I thought it again. It felt like the writers wrote a bunch of symptoms down and then just started <laughs> throwing darts at a board and was like, all right, uh, what weird symptoms can we have for a uh, Bajoran pregnancy? Like, Sneezing. let's add this one, this one, maybe a third one, maybe a fourth one that we don't hear about till later. Yeah. There's just so many. Well, though, they have very easy births as well, which was part of, you know, when she finally does give birth, part of the story too. So I was sort of surprised. I mean, there's a little bit of dissonance there, and it would have been better if she was, like, feeling great and, you know, better yeah. than ever. Right. Like it, it's good. And it does sound because they're also shorter pregnancies, right? They're like six months instead of the nine. Right. Um, and right. I think, that sounds right. yeah, the gack for explaining why she had to carry the child was that they vet like the baby vascularizes really quickly. So like you can't remove it until it's born. So yeah, space wow. science. Uh, but I think, I think you're right. If, if maybe Cole Meany had a different kind of, energy Space. or <laughs> type ultimately you know yeah though i have i've I've often thought you know because also Col- uh, uh miles did really well with keiko mm-hmm. i he's got to have some sort of energy to him that is attractive to Ke- I, i've always thought and i've said this before i bet that he and keiko have really great sex because they really are in they're super into each other very into each other it's true. I don't know. I mean, I guess, I guess he's an engineer, precise. Um, it works with his hands. Right. <laughs> so that's a type for sure. 
I mean, he's maybe. a he's a good one. I I love him, and I, I've definitely been attracted to him at certain times. Yeah, not all the time, but I could see the appeal. An accent goes a long way too. Let's let's just admit it. Yeah, um, close yes. your eyes, let him whisper in your ears. <laughs> Yeah. See what happens. Do you yeah. miss Ireland? Do you miss do you miss the homeland? I love Oh wait. That, I don't even know. He is yeah, he's Irish for O'Brien, Miles O'Brien. It's about as Irish as it gets. Uh I love that scene between him and Kira near the end of the episode where she's describing like the chalet, the chalet, the chateau that they that she's going to the and they both have thing. such like dread in there <laughs> in the conversation about it because it's it's the most idyllic place ever uh i love i love that contrast to um talking about something like it's just gonna be the best vacation best ever place you could ever possibly imagine so romantic and perfect <laughs> there won't be anybody around and uh it is also funny because these are both the characters in the space nine that probably need probably need a vacation the most Mm-hmm. You're That's right. Me. These these two and they poor can't people. vacation together. No, it that turns would be a disaster. Out. I think I kind of want to see that that cabin because they made it sound look awesome. They they just made it sound like it's incredible. And as they were saying the things, I was like, they don't have the budget for that. They don't <laughs> have the budget for that. Yeah. They could just never show this because it's way too incredible of a place on right. Star Trek. Whereas in Discovery, that would the episode would all be there. And, yeah, that would. The, yeah. yeah, the episode. I mean, I would hope the episode would be there. That would be yeah. an incredible episode, actually. Mm-hmm. They would play out the tension of two people trying to avoid each other in a giant chateau <laughs> over the course of an hour. That'd be fun. I, that I, would be I'd great. Watch actually, I watched yeah. the shit out of that. Actually. Um. Okay, so now let's go back to the A story of. Jadzia was the mm-hmm. other female character that we talked that uh, was not we did not address of how in control she is and how cool she is throughout mm-hmm. this entire journey for all these characters. I think this is probably the best Jadzia episode. Like she's the best written episode, like from her perspective. <laughs> Do you agree or disagree? Am I am I being hyperbolic there? Best episode from her perspective. In terms of like what she gets to do and to emote and also like how she's written. This is, that's just a bold thing that I'm going to say. And I'm open to being (laughs) proven wrong about it. Good question. I'd have to think a little bit longer. I mean, um, I feel like, I feel like a lot of, you don't actually I'd be curious to tally up how much time you actually spend with her throughout the episode. There's not that much, but what's really, I think what's really special or um, for me kind of empowering to see is how, despite the fact that she clearly has the feels for Worf from the beginning and, you know, might get some twinges of jealousy when she sees his admiration for Grelka, she kind of keeps her cool, helps him in his objectives and, and sort of knows deep down that he's being a little boy about it and that, you know, she's going to get what she wants by the end of the episode. I think she knows. She's just leading. She's, she's just like holding his hand as a, a little boy through this whole thing. Yeah. It's kind of incredible to watch. Yeah. It, you're, you're totally right. And that's the thing about the trill, right? They're like, they know how to play the long game because <laughs> 
It's like, yeah, I've lived eight lifetimes. So if it takes me like a year or two, and at this point, like she's second. had a crush on him for like a year and a half, I think. Yeah. Uh, uh, but she's been biding her time and she's willing to wait. I had I forgotten it, that they weren't married. Like, I just yeah. jumped into this episode and I just kind of assumed that they were already together. So when they weren't, I was like, oh, they're not together yet, even though they feel like it constantly. So here's a question I have. Do you think Worf is a complete idiot or do yeah. you think that he's like he's knows that she's into him, but he's like, I'm I want a Klingon woman. And he's been waiting for that. Like, has he been deflecting her attention? Because she lays it on pretty thick, like from the beginning of him being on there. And as we all know, she's like a big Klingon fan. I've described her as a Klingon weeb before. So. <laughs> She's formerly, you know, ambassador. Curzon. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that, I think he just doesn't see her as his type. I think, you know, he thinks of her as frivolous and kind of a hoe. Um, <laughs> so, you know, he wants this very stoic, aristocratic, uh, distant, reserved girl coverlet. That's what he thinks he wants. I think he just right. never really considered Jensia as an option yeah. um, until she, you know, makes it clear that she is most definitely an option and a good one. Yeah, it's I agree. It's, yeah, yeah. I, and I, I agree that she she actually is his type mm -hmm. uh, and he doesn't know what it is. Because yeah. if you look at the people that Worf has been, like he dated Troy, who is... I always forget about that. Yeah. <laughs> she's an empath. You know, she's a person who, for a guy who's like bottles up his emotions and stuff, <laughs> like Troy is, and also very not Klingon, right? She's very feminine uh, mm -hmm. is a thing about her. She's, she's uh, you know, comfortable in her femininity um, in, in a classic, I'll say like human sense, mm -hmm. even though she's half Vedazoid. And then there was the the Klingon woman with, or, but half Klingon woman who with whom he had Alexander and she herself is not culturally Klingon. Mm -hmm. She, which I think is what, like a lot of people, I checked Reddit. I always check Reddit to see what people have to say about stuff. And people were like, hey, did War forget that he had a kid with the Klingon lady? It's like, no, we're talking actually about cultural, like he's never been with yeah. a culturally Klingon person, a woman. And mm -hmm. I think it was really cool, actually. I don't think that's an accident. I think that's an interest, like a, a really good, um, interesting thing that a 90s show did talk the difference between um, a person being ethnically versus culturally something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I like to think he's just clueless. Because whenever <laughs> I see Worf, I just think of just like, I love him to death, but I just think of just kind of a dumb, he's not dumb, but just kind of clueless, constantly kind of bumbling around, not picking up the cues ever, in any situation ever. Like, even when he's on like the fucking, on the bridge, just spewing shit out and everyone's clearly like, Worf, please stop yelling things. He just doesn't pick up on any of that. So I think it's like totally in line for him to not pick up on any of these things. She literally has to like slap him in the face. Yeah. <laughs> be like, look, man. Sorry, I didn't. I didn't have anything. I, that was no, like I, a I look, man. Uh, ellipses. That that wasn't like a. I was gonna uh, continue that. Do a bit. Yeah. <laughs> Feel free to interrupt or, or jump in on anything, Kiri. <laughs> by the way, I see you nodding. I think you're being uh, very respectful. So if you ever have any opinions, please jump in. I'm also just from the Midwest where we actually wait till people stop talking in order to start talking, which 
especially when I first moved out to the coast, East coast, um, really was a challenge. I think some people thought I didn't talk for like a year or two of college because I was just waiting for everyone to finish. Uh, this still proves, this still sometimes proves a challenge at, uh, in different social contexts, including, uh, my boyfriend's family's dinner tables where I hope I will get a word in edgewise this coming Thanksgiving. We will see. (laughs) Do we need to do a, what we need to do is we need to get the collar thing and put it on you, Kiri. And right, then we'll, right. we'll yeah, we <laughs> move your mouth. We'll just make so sure your hands are moving in. a bunch so people will see something. <laughs> you mentioned earlier that there wasn't enough GAC, which I love that you say that. Um, what is the GAC? I don't know what that is. And the, for any of you listeners that don't know what that is, what is GAC? I mean, GAC is, you know, what makes... Uh, sci-fi sci-fi or what makes a crime procedural a crime procedural or a medical procedural a medical procedural it's the kind of um, filler logic you know by which we understand how say you know the warp cord is attached to the trioxial (laughs) you know matrix uh, space jargon in, in order to you know induce the hyperdrive to get us to you know that distant nebula or, I mean, it's, it's the, it's the filler words that actually though also lend an air of authority, I think. And um, it also demonstrate on some level, the attempt to, to create a kind of alternate, I think, scientific logic in, in, in a sci-fi context, at least. Um, so, yeah, so I missed that a little bit, I think, when it came down to how exactly the sort of sensory technology and how the holodeck were making this relationship and emotional fantasy possible. But, of course, the writers in this case were prioritizing relationships and emotion, um, which is part of what stands out about this episode. That's not always what we're trying to do on Star Trek. Um, but, you know, uh, I, I think just a little more, just a little more to show Jadzia's scientific prowess would have been nice. I was curious when he's like puppeting Quark, Mm -hmm. my initial thought was like, how can he see? (laughs) Because like you don't see like the screen or whatever. Like you don't see it through his eyes. He's just intuitively doing it. And they shoot it in such a way where they're just like, just please don't ask that question. Mm-hmm. Just please don't ask how he can see this. Just let it go. They could, have done, they could have done some cool. I mean, clearly whoever was writing, it was thinking about like VR stuff and thinking about, I don't know, actually, I'd be curious to understand at what point VR and other kinds of technologies had progressed. If, for example, you know, the means by which animated characters are, able to move in human-like ways through human movement that's then projected into animation. I don't know if how that had developed by what 96 when this episode came out, but I think there was, I mean, clearly the writers had something in mind that was intuitive enough that the audience didn't really question what was happening. It made sense, but um, you know, as a result, this came off as less of a sci-fi episode than yeah. Yeah. I well, think something VR, we often, so go ahead, Dylan. Oh, I just think VR like wasn't quite there, but I just watched Johnny Mnemonic today. <laughs> and I, I I think like in that point in the 90s, I think VR was like 
not attainable, but like everybody was putting it in movies because they were yeah. like, yeah, this is the future. And they had like the goggles on and stuff. So I, I think it was in the social consciousness. I was only one year old when this came out, but I, based on my film research, it was in the, the social consciousness mm-hmm. of everyone, I, I feel like. Yeah, I think you do get away with uh, something with two things here. It's just like if you don't explain it, then they stop. They don't, they don't even think about it. And then yeah. two, if you if your episode is moving at a fast enough clip and your editing is good enough, you're not going to think about it. So and that's the way I felt like this is edited in a way where like the movements are cutting between both mm-hmm. like the wharf and the quark scene that I'm like, yeah, I'm done. I'm suspending my my disbelief. The gag yeah. lack, yeah. The, all she needed to say was something like, "It's monitoring his neural pathways" or something like that, yeah. and and I would have been in. Um, but we do often talk about on this podcast how there are there's a specific subset of Star Trek fans who are like, Ugh. "I watch Star Trek for the space <laughs> and science stuff," uh, or they say the sci-fi, the sci-fi, you know? yeah, the, the sci-fi. And the definition of sci-fi tends to be ship battles, it seems, is what they mean. I think it's just, it's technobabble and spaceship battles, right? That's what they want? Well, I think for my my own part, as someone who does like sci-fi too, I think it's a bit about, um, you know, exploring concepts relevant to science and technology in sort of fictionalized form. So to the extent that, you know, this, your podcast addresses the holodeck. Well, this is a holodeck episode ostensibly, but also it doesn't really engage with what the holodeck means, you know, or how it functions or like, like it was sort of important that they were doing this on the holodeck, but they didn't need to be. The holodeck was just a setting. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that's why people are so, I'm sorry. I think no, that's no, why no. people are so like, they don't like the holodeck because mm-hmm it takes them somewhere that's not space. I think the moment that they get taken out of space, even if for us, when the holodeck, the holodeck explores the most, for me, the most sci-fi elements of like morality and like what it means to be human in such a like beyond science fiction world. I don't know why people Mm -hmm. don't get that. Mm -hmm. In this case, like what's more human than wanting to bang? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Kiri just like rolled her eyes. <laughs> no, no. I mean, oh, I, th- I think also it, it sort of made me think of because you know, Worf very nearly gets down to it with Grilka virtually through Quark's body. Yeah. It sort of made me think of, you know, uh, the human future of sort of digital intercourse, right? And like where we're going to progress with that. Maybe someone was thinking about that too. Um, uh, sorry, that's such a good thing to, to bring up, especially mm-hmm. in the last year and a half. I think a lot of relationships had to adjust in terms mm-hmm. of what intimacy can look like or how you can be intimate with a person at a distance. Mm-hmm. Obviously, phone sex or internet sex has been something that's been ex- existed for a long time, but it's become much more mainstream. And we always joke, you know, oh, Hollow Suite, like most of it's porn. Or holiday, you know, the holiday because most of it is porn. Um, but this would be a different way, and and also if he almost like gets it on with mm-hmm. with Grilka through this, um, so weird, this sensory thing. I think there's a just there's an interesting question about consent and like 
Jadzia pull yanks the thing off of him in a way so that uh, uh, so that uh, Quark can, you know, now it's Quark's time. You know, it's like it's yeah. private time for them. Mm-hmm. I thought that, that was in- it brings up some interesting questions and about our maybe our transhuman future where mm-hmm. we become melded with technology a lot more. Or no, where just- we like hire other people who we find attractive as avatars to have sex with, you know, people if we don't. I don't know. Right. Like, like her. Yeah, and Blade Runner, her and Blade Runner. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So wild. So I think these are big sci-fi questions. We found it. We found it. We We found found an angle. I didn't even think about that. I'm I'm mostly just like, uh, for these episodes, I don't think about them totally that deep. Yeah. This is is what happens when you have a smart person on as a guest. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just like giggling about how stupid (laughs) Worf is. Again, in his man cave on the in Defiant, his <laughs> singing his nerd song, his nerd music. Yeah, uh, and only getting laid by using a digital device. Um, the, the things just keep stacking up for him. I, it's just... That, <laughs> okay, so, nerdy girl best friend has been there all along. And, and this is... I had this thought when I was watching this. This is just a rom... This is your classic like rom-com movie where like the nerd... Uh, gets an A on the jocks test so that he can play football and like still be friends with his girlfriend or whatever. Like that's what's happening. Yeah. And then he decides not to hook up with the cheerleader because, you know, his friend actually was the one who was there for him. Exactly. Live happily forever after. All the story beats are there. I think they, I think that's what this episode is. I think they were just like, Oh, these are classic story beats. Let's just put them in Mm -hmm. Star Trek. And I think it's incredibly funny that, Quark is the hot guy yeah. and Worf is the nerd. And it, it's, it's so good. So perfect. <laughs> I, I do like want to talk a little bit about cultural representation and development in this because I think it's so cool that, you know, I, I, I think Worf often has an idea of what it means to be a Klingon and even Jadzias especially calls him out on it sometimes. And she's like, you know, you, you're really into Klingon, but like Klingons like to have fun and like to party, you know, you're, you, you actually aren't connected with the culture in that way. And not in a mean way, you know, it's hard to be a person who wants to be accepted by your culture, but you haven't had the opportunity to, because Mm -hmm. you've been grew up in Belarus. Um, But there's also something about like, you know, Groka's attraction to Quark I think just shows an interesting facet of Klingon culture. And it's like Quark can provide a service that is helpful for her house. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, he's like, he's totally cool and interested in her culture. She's very open about like when in the hollow suite, we can talk about it later, but um, when he calls for this right of um, proclamation, proclamation, uh, which he obviously he made up, but um very like he what what is it about why is quark so into her besides the fact that she's hot i think there is like a risk reward component which i think is really a big thing for for ferengis well remember though in a different episode she also like rejected his ass yeah uh, so yeah. i think there's a little bit of uh quark wanting to you know um prove himself but then their relationship doesn't continue into the series so you know, he might have gotten a taste and realized that, like, Klingon mating rituals weren't quite his pink. Um, he seemed pretty worn out there in the uh, in the sick bay afterwards. So pretty broken. Yeah, He's very broken. Too much woman for him. Um, 
<laughs> he also has, I think he has a thing for women of all, females, uh, as, a, as a friend you would <laughs> say, of were, all cultures. Because yeah. there's that one episode where he's really into that Vulcan lady. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he uses, once again, Ferengi logic mm-hmm. to make her like kind of interested in him which yeah he was oh, just like God. really logical in a ferengi way and she's like yeah i gotta give it to you she was like working with the maquis or something like that he's also so charismatic i mean come on you know he's yeah he's so yeah and that that's also the actor as well i mean um Arnold he's Schindler. so good yeah, he's, he's so, so, I mean, so good, good in this episode yeah and like he's just such a I don't know, the, the charisma just exudes that I think any any lady of any race would would enjoy spending time at Quirk's bar and therefore perhaps with him, you know, more intimately as well. So so Quirk is just like, okay, he's got the equipment, but <laughs> then you're pretty done afterwards. Like, all right. Yeah, you walk in on him singing Klingon opera in his man cave, and you're and he's like, all like, "I'm gonna go to court." Relationship mean? I'm like, "Oh God, really?" Okay. He wants a statue, right? That's what Jazia said. Um, it is interesting because, like, I yeah, Jazia's really into Klingon culture, so it would make sense that she might have a thing for Worf, and he has a lot of good positive attributes. But generally, she's been depicted as being into really smart guys. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if Worf falls in that category. <laughs> well, okay. Particularly you know, smart. I think this episode does a pretty good job of telling us what about Worf Jadzia enjoys. I mean, mm-hmm. I think, I think you know, not everyone so, like, satisfies all needs. And I think she found one particular avenue that they could share you know they an, a mutual interest um sure. so yeah and i guess if you're trill you're like well you know he's gonna die and yeah. i'm gonna die and then i'll have another life and i get to go for a smart person yeah the next run around yeah. Like, they're, yeah they're both like klingon nerds like Worf is a klingon nerd because he wasn't raised that way so he feels his obligation to really like get into it and jet z is a total klingon nerd so i think they just kind of nerd out i think that's like for me where their connection is even if they're on totally different levels of understanding like where they are in that culture i mean it's like they're also just athletes i mean they're batless mm-hmm. you know experts they they can share that hobby and then let it progress so i see their relationships as a very profoundly physical one more than even a sort of instantiation of their cultural interests it's yeah. kind of like a couple where you're like, so what's their, like, how do they, it's like, oh, they climb. They're climbing. Oh, I they're literally both really thought climbing. <laughs> yeah. I thought they were just the climbing relation, the climbing couple. They yeah. just go climb together like, all the time. Yeah. They don't seem to like, just like, she's really fun, but he's like really stoic and doesn't talk much. Like, oh, they climb though. They, they, climb. they yeah. That's the Every thing. weekend they climb. I have like that who cycle. I mean, they do not belong together at all. They're just the worst <laughs> couple. I mean, they hate each other, but I guess they're both really good at cycling and that's what they like. So, I you think- know. I think that's some people find comfort in that, yeah. right? Like having that one thing that you do together all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And so. it's like, did somebody who will understand that I spend 30 hours a week doing this thing? It's like, mm-hmm. it's crazy. And they can do it with me. Yeah. yeah exactly. exactly. Yeah. It's not, yeah, it's not insane that I'm gone for such a long time doing this one thing yeah. that I really enjoy doing. That's a yeah. really good point. I love, I love again, we're talking about the different types of intimacy and stuff, but we probably should get into the archive and come back oh, in. What were you going to say, I, Dylan? I just want to say one more thing. Yeah. We'll um, do one more thing for, for Kiri, too. Okay. Well, yeah. Our last round of one more things. 
One of my favorite parts of this episode is uh, Morn's acting at the bar <laughs> when he gets totally obliterated by Worf. And he's doing this like, like very over the top acting that felt like should be on stage where he's like, he's drinking his drink. And then you can see him, you can see the director telling him, I just, you know, do something. And he like puts his finger in the, the cup and like licks it. And I'm like, who does, no, who does that? Morn, what are you doing, man? What are you, like, what's going on? And then he just gets totally messed up by Worf. And I thought it was, uh, very funny and endearing for Worf to like put on this this whole fucking show and for Morn just to again be the fucking doormat that is that is used in this like ruse basically. Well, do you want to know a little trivia about this? I'm glad you brought it up. Please. It stood out to me as well. The actor who normally portrays Morn did not play him in this episode. That's it. Felt so weird. Yep, it's it, he, Morn is is played by Tom Morga. He was just like a stuntman on every episode of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom Morga also played a holographic Klingon. Uh, no, I'm sorry, Dennis Madalone. I got it mixed up. So Dennis Madalone is the one who did. But the same same deal. So he played a, a Klingon and he played Morn in this, and it's clear because. Dorn was going to throw him across the room, but yes, that's why he's completely different. His his I, movements and everything. It's so crazy that I like could pick up on because Morn doesn't do a whole lot. Like he's mm-hmm. just there, but the subtleties of him not doing a lot when he does more and is a little too extra, you're like, because he's like weird. He, his thing is empty. He puts it out and he like motions at it, and then he's like shifty eye looking it's both so ways. Weird. <laughs> it's just it's too yeah, yeah. much it's too much it's more. a lot yeah so yeah. that's not really Morn's finest performance no and <laughs> and i'm sure the original actor for Morn, who i think is got it all wrong danny masterson yeah <laughs> he I, I he got him a razzie when he came back on set because he you know had a the day off and was like that awful performance love you man <laughs> terrible job though <laughs> you've ruined my character i've been developing Morn for seasons <laughs> Now, every time I have an empty drink, I got to put my finger in it and like touch it. Oh, God. Carrie, do you have any last thoughts, even though we're going to keep thinking? You know, we're going to discuss Julian's pervy uncle role later on. We have to. We can do it right now. Let's talk about pervy uncle Julian. Incredible stuff. You know, not only does he listen in to uh, the O'Brien's door in the beginning of the episode, he later on, what else does he do? He makes inappropriate comments to Miles about Kira and so weird. him watching her bathe. Okay, that was one moment where I was like, oof, this, the, you know, sometimes like TV from the 90s is like, that does not age well. Like, I've been watching a bunch of old um, uh, Seinfeld episodes recently, and sometimes I'm like, oh man, that that's, yeah. And that was one of those moments I was like, okay, th- this was still the 90s. Um, And then what else does he do? At the end, he keeps saying, oh, uh, I don't want that image in my head. I don't want that image in my head when clearly he wants that image in his head. He's the horniest guy in the ship. He is. That's part of his character from the beginning. So it does kind of make sense on the one hand from the sort of arc of his of his character. Mm -hmm. Uh, But on the other hand, you know, the the role, his role throughout is just like so weird. I mean, yet he also kind of ties the episode together a little bit. So I see the kind of the reason that he's there sort of lurking in the corner, you know, um, watching it all uh, behind the scenes. Yeah, I mean, I think there's, I think that it's important that he was there. I just kind of, 
I don't know. You know, it, it, was, it was a little, a little skeezy. They could have done it better. Like, mm-hmm. it's weird that they opened on him just like outside their door. Like, he couldn't have come around the corner and been like, what's right. that that I hear? No, he couldn't stand it. <laughs> and then Quark, who has those Ferengi ears, hears a lot more of it. Um, mm-hmm. But I think you're right, Kiri. And there is a sort of a book ending because, you know, he starts it and, and he wants to know more. At the end, he's like, never mind. I don't want to know. And <laughs> it's like, well, they could they were probably just going to say, well, we had we had sex in the Klingon way. And and, and that's that's it, buddy. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yep. Is there an element? I mean, oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, let's not also forget. I mean, the actor's the real baby daddy there. So mm-hmm. <laughs> true. I think there is that's that was my thought is like I think there is a lot of weird like jealousy with the Jedzia mm-hmm. thing also. Mm-hmm. When him when she and Worf show up, just that image is very funny to me and I was laughing a lot with all their hair fucked up. Mm-hmm. That punchline is really good. But I think there is a lot of weird jealousy there where he's like, I fucking don't want to know. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I hate Worf now. Yeah, exactly. Like all of a sudden, his yeah. just heart drop. You know that feeling when you find out like your crush is and he becomes really and, petty yeah. and just asshole. Uh, yeah. Well, I guess mm-hmm. I'm out of the running officially. It's happened. <laughs> uh, it's over. Yeah, that moment. The fact that she's wearing Worf's <laughs> ceremonial thing. Yeah, However, that's right. I hadn't really thought about. That is that before. the? Is that like the the Star Trek Klingon? girlfriend equivalent of wearing like the shirt the (laughs) letterman jacket (laughs) you know like walking around in it Mm -hmm. oh isn't it cute is like is it sexy that i'm wearing your your klingon what is it what's it called i i like to think that it just like flew off and happened to like be on her land on her and they just didn't know it somehow yeah she's like i'm in control now i'm wearing the thing she's the captain Um, now I mean, yeah, I she, she broke some that. bones too. She broke some of Worf's bones. So he's got that like three, like yeah, was like gash in his face. I was like, damn, this is crazy. <sighs> yeah, well, at least there was any broken bones. No bones. No, but I don't think any bones got broken. Okay. Mm. Uh, other than Quark, Quark got folded like a fucking pretzel. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> he, he, his bones were <laughs> broken. Very broken. Which probably reduces their value when they have to go in the market when he dies. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm really glad you brought that up, Kiri. Um, we're going to talk more about the Hollow Suite stuff, but we're going to jump into the archives and see what's going on. Mm-hmm. Accessing Starfleet Archives Deep Space Nine. Simulating. You may now enter the holodeck. Oh, Pert, uh, I'm glad that I bumped into you. Uh, I just wanted to introduce you to my new friend. She's a joined symbiote. Uh, Lax. Lax? Hi. How's it going? I'm good. I've never met a a joined joined one before. Hi. Do you want to sit down? Do you guys want to sit down? Yeah, 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 of course. Let's, uh, Let's get a drink. I need yes. one after my uh, most recent uh, trip to sick bay. I just, I don't know. Oh. It's weird. Let me guess. Bashir. Bashir. Wait, you guys too? Oh, everyone. It's, it's the talk of the ship right it, now. This has been so strange. Uh, I went in for my regular uh, every decade checkup, and 
he asked me how I had gotten a scar on the side, and I started explaining to him that it was because a vole had attacked. And then he just said, never mind, I don't want to know. He just cut me off like that. That's so interesting because, well, you know, I, I went for my uh, annual gynecological appointment. Mm-hmm. And I mean, trill physiology is rather complex and I, I had a few issues to take care of. And same thing, I, I, I you know, began explaining what was going on. He's like, wait, don't want to hear it. Don't want to know what you've been up to. But that, um, that's, that's and so I, weird. and just, but then just, I don't know. I, he he's really been he's really been a bit weird. I mean, nothing too untoward, right? It's on the edge. Uh, it's like he's but, reacting to something that has not happened, because right. it seems like you just did not get the care that you needed to actually get. Well, and I mean, I'm relatively new here as well. So is there? Is there something going on in his life? He might just be pretty checked out, honestly. Cause like, I had a sexual injury and I didn't really want to tell him what happened cause it was kind of embarrassing. And he asked me what happened. And then I started talking, he, knowing the talk of the town that he just says, I don't want to hear about it. But then he didn't stop me. And mm-hmm. I told him a lot of really weird details and he just kept listening. So you're the and reason knows all of it. why he has been so cagey. He just didn't stop me. I don't. I, he didn't stop me. I don't know what 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 happened, Per. I I don't want to. Obviously, I don't want to talk about it. Are you okay? I'm good. Yeah, I'm fine now. There's like a a waver. There's like a quiver in your voice when you say you're okay. <laughs> like you're not okay, but you're saying that you're okay. I'm fine. I'm fine. This isn't like how the thing, whatever happened to your parents, this isn't related to that. It's not. Okay. It's not what happened to my parents. Not that you'd want to know what happened to my no, parents. No, I, I definitely But it's don't. not related to that. No, 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 no. <clears throat> I just had, it was just a sexual injury. We don't have to talk about it. Okay. But now he knows all about it. And it's weird. And that might be why he's telling you guys to stop. I don't not. Know. I think there's something else going on here. I think, you know, just in my many lives, mm. um, my, you know, my, all my experience as a, a man, a woman, and everything in between, when, when someone's acting like this, there's there's something going on in their own life. I think that, I think that Dr. Bashir clearly is not satisfied right now. Well, he, maybe that's him. Maybe he's not getting any. Yeah, well, he's a pretty sexual being, is he? that Bashir. He's sexual? He's sexual? He's a, what are you talking about? He's always talking about weird sex stuff with me. Really? Or he's trying to. Yeah. He always comes up to me and he's like, he's, he's always nudging my shoulder huh. and like Wait, winking at me and doing weird Garrett shit. together? I see them all the time. I, well, they're, they're together, not, right? They're more of like a Bert and Ernie situation from Oh, which, I thought. Oh, okay. Air quotes. Oh, so they aren't, they are not official? I don't think so. Huh. That's. I mean, they act like it, but I don't think so. Yeah. That's why I've like traditionally I've turned down playing, you know, filling in for O'Brien in the Hollow Suite uh, because mm-hmm. I think it would be inappropriate. Because I feel I, I don't I think there's a component there that I'm not fully. You don't want Garrick coming after you. Exactly. He'll, he'll kill you. You don't want to mess with the Obsidian Order. No. Uh, that's that's a. <laughs> Lax, that's definitely something you don't want to do. I don't know if you know, but if in your lives you've you've experienced that with Cardassians or anything. Yeah, I you know I generally I generally stay away from uh, anything that 
has the word order or cult or uh, it's a good call i've been in a cult before it, it really any any of those words tend to set off some how many lives deep are is you? that an appropriate question to ask sorry yeah i didn't i yeah, didn't want I, to... I, you know i think it's a rather private question for trills on um, how many how many lives we've had so it's like more oh, than sorry. five is what sorry, you're saying sorry. like kind of <laughs> i i'm well if you must know i've actually lived more lives than the average trill Whoa. okay well uh I don't want to hear it, I don't, uh, as I don't, uh, Dr. I Bashir would say. I don't know. <laughs> oh, by the way, Pert, what is this little cage thing that is on the table here? This this thing, it looks like it's some sort of neural interface on it. Oh, yes, this. That's that's why I was here. I don't, hmm? sorry, I totally forgot. Um, Tom's in the other room, and he wanted me to put this on. Um he's on a date right now in another room and he wanted me to uh be a little bit more charming because you know tom he's like a little he's a little awkward yeah I and i totally forgot i hope he's okay should we in there yeah let me let me just check yeah, just pop in there how and... how he's doing wait is this like an invasion of, of privacy i mean what are you gonna see well everything he told me to do i i got his perm- Okay. I don't think they're doing anything. I think they're just like on a, just eating food. I guess now you have to find out. Yeah, he's he's so clumsy and awkward. He gets so stiff, Lax. You have no yeah, idea. He, does. he just starts mm-hmm. knocking okay. things over. What do you mm-hmm. see? How does this even work? Hurt? I don't know. It's all dark though. I don't see anything. I don't even think he's on a date. Oh, I, I would take that thing off right now. I would take that off. I would just take that. Oh, just take that okay. off. I just, yeah, yeah, I'm just yeah, going to take that off. Okay. Well, Lax, it was a pleasure meeting you. Uh, I will. Uh, I, I do need somebody to take a look at this scar, though. So I'm, I am got to find a, an alternative care provider. So I will. Are there alternative care providers on the ship? Uh, yeah. If you go into the right sub levels. Uh, I think there's some like homeopathic Bajoran. Um, a lot of that. Uh, yeah. Yes. A lot of that, so I will have to find one of those. Uh, but it was a pleasure hanging out. Nice yeah, to meet you. It was nice to meet you too. Cool. So now we we're we're, we're out of the hollow suite. We get to actually talk about what happened in the hollow suite, and then we're going to rate it. So um, mm-hmm. what we'll do is we'll rate it as we go, and we just kind of talk about the things that we liked in the episode, and we do it. Mm-hmm. We rate it on a scale of one to five, five being the best. Um, uh, on dialogue, romance, action, suspense, camp, and the stakes. So our opening category is dialogue. So we just talk about things that might have st- stuck out to us or things that we've found to be funny. Uh, for me, I, <laughs> I really, everything that it happens in the, uh, the right of, oh, I forgot it again, Kiri, you, you said it earlier, the right of. Proclamation. Proclamation. The aquarium of my soul seeking the kelp of discontent. <laughs> Just I, hilarious stuff to me. The writing is so good, but there's also a part of me that's like, his performance is also so good yeah. that I had a hard time attributing how good the writing was as opposed to how good he was. Because during that speech, when he just stops and he goes back and he's like, right. 
I'm done. I am done. I'm now? actually done now. Yeah. <laughs> when he narrates, when he, go ahead, the dialogue just like transforms, and how much better the writing all seems when Avery Brooks isn't speaking. I mean, <laughs> I love Avery. Whoa. Avery's incredible. He's got his own method. The Avery right. method. Yes. Right. Uh, Armin Shimmerman, <laughs> who is like a, a very, like very much a trained actor and a voice actor and dramaturg too. He's really into dramaturgy. So I think that, yes, it definitely shows. And it's probably why he's so great in everything. Um, yeah. I love that scene. A Here's a little trivia. He worked with a mime to learn how to move as if the, the Batleth was in control of him. So he did a great job with that. Yeah. So good. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. surprise on his face as it like moves around and stuff as Worf is controlling him. So wonderful. It's not dialogue. We'll get to action. Mm-hmm. Um, I also love Dorn's little like the movement would not have hurt if you were in better physical condition. Like he's just such a fucking jock. Uh, <laughs> I also love that this dude. I feel bad for this guy because he gets yeeted. He gets fired from his job (laughs) from a ruse. He gets rused out of a job. Like he would have murdered Cork. Yeah. But because of this whole fucking debacle, the guy loses his job. (laughs) That's true. It's like, uh, luckily you don't get killed by Quark, a Ferengi. So your honor is a little (laughs) bit intact, but you cannot protect her. You, you're, you're not fired. cut out for this job. <laughs> that is a good point. Um, and he, he was also I, super hot too. Sorry, that, he was like a very like hot Klingon. He's, he's traditionally he's a yeah. Guy. And it's played by oh, here's another bit of trivia. His name, mm-hmm. the actor's name is Phil Morris. He auditioned for Cisco, but he was turned <laughs> down due to being too young. Uh, so, wow. And here's another thing about him. Uh, sorry to be cramming Wait, trivia here, but he was in the him? original series. He was like a young boy in the original series. So he, he's he been in a lot of Star Trek. He's also in Search for Spock. This guy's in Black Dynamite. He's in Black Dynamite? That's, yes. He's Yeah, he's in Black Dynamite. I've, oh my God. I, I've seen this guy before. That's why he does not look like... People as Klingons just don't look like themselves, obviously, because they got all that shit. But except oh, for Christopher incredible. Lloyd, I think Christopher Lloyd is Christopher is a guy who, like, yeah, that's yes. Christopher Lloyd as a Klingon, mm-hmm. um, and also Christopher Plummer. The Christophers shine through the Klingon <laughs> makeup. <laughs> the Christophers, they do. Uh, cool. And then oh, uh, another incredible. little bit of trivia: the uh, the older Klingon guy who tells Worf to chill out and be cool. He was in the original series as well in the episode "The Gamesters of Triskelion." So, Dang. two actors who were in the original series and the Space Nine. That's like, anyways, dialogue. Let's rate it. If you're, hmm. I'm gonna give it a four and a half because I like because I like the flirtiness too that Dax has, and also her like calling uh, uh, calling out Worf and stuff like the size. You'd be surprised what I could do in a size 18 boot. I would agree. I really thought the dialogue was moved well. And, and you know, let's be real here. As much as the sci-fi fans may miss the gack, <laughs> the removal of the gack makes the dialogue move a little more naturally. Yeah, so. that's I agree. True. So are you give what are you giving it a four and a half, Kiri? Or are you going higher? I don't know. I'm gonna agree. I'm gonna agree nice. with you there. Dylan? Yeah, sure. I'm gonna go with a f- four. Because the quips were great. 
Um, I just don't remember. The only thing I remember specifically is that speech, but there was nothing that like really, really like stuck out to me. So it's the only reason I'm not going well, higher. Okay, I'm going to throw out here when Worf also is checking while Dax is fixing the her neural, neural device, he's like, I don't know how he's doing this, but he's figuring out if Quark is alive. He's like, I don't know how, but he is still alive. Like, and it's during the, <laughs> it's really great. Uh, okay. Romance. I think this is about as romantic as it gets in the holiday. Yeah. Right. They're fighting over uh, like the right to mate. Yeah. Right. This is an easy five all, all across yeah. the board. Guys. This is a five, <laughs> the big five, big five for me too. I, uh, we call that a Quinteros after a, a Quinteros. an obscure Star Trek The Next Generation character whose name is Admiral Quinteros. Quinteros, uh, which one is that? Is that on the weird one with the weird things in the ears? The binars? There's a lot of weird ears. Is the binar episode? Yeah, 110101. <gasps> Quinteros, interesting. Yeah, that's I'm the only episode he's ever episode. in. So but we, whenever <laughs> this, uh, an ep- uh, a category gets all fives, we call it a Quinteros. Yeah, very obviously fives across the board. Um, There's nothing hornier and nothing more romantic than helping a friend get with somebody that you want to get with. There's bromance and romance layered in there. Uh, Okay, action. For me, also a five in this category. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, it's, you know, this this isn't like a... I'm sorry. I mean, this is no like Borg come and, you know, abduct the captain kind of sure. levels of universal action here. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to say in terms of, well, it depends on how you define action, sure. but um, I, I, this is, this is human interest. This is, you know, romance and filler. I, I'm in the action section. I'm, I'm going all the way to the one. Yeah. Oh, a one a bombshell, a bombshell oh, of a rating. Oh man. That's absolutely well, that's not the purpose of this episode, you know, it, 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 but it's not, it's not action packed, right? Well, or maybe you guys are thinking of action just in terms of narrative structure. Wow. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm literally the way I rate it is like purely how many people are trying to kill each other. <laughs> Uh, for me, at, at the very least, which is pretty high in this one. Not the, trying to kill each other. They're trying to have sex with each other. Which, and, that's know, spider true. Fuck, yeah, you know? That's true. a thing. That's also action, in it a is sense. So, so, just to give you some context, Carrie, and we'll we'll take your one. We'll let that stand. But we, um, because there's, uh, it's all on a bell curve uh, for <laughs> for these categories in Star Trek because. Like, for example, in one holodeck episode, Wesley gets falls into a puddle of water, and we rated that <laughs> a one <laughs> because there was, like, a stunt involved. Right. But I, I completely accept your one rating because that is the – Okay, I'll, I'll, the look, fun... I'll, I'll put it to a two because the okay. one where, like, the O'Brien's daughter gets fucking lost and it's just this weird – then becomes the wild girl. That sure. that was just like what the heck. So this gets a two because that that episode for me the, it's the, the choreography and the like the cutting back and yeah, forth. Yeah, that's true. And that's the, true. And 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 Armin Shimmerman's performance alone yep, with the me, right, right. I have to take that into consideration. Well, you think so. about it while Dylan gives us his score. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go with like Dylan. I'm gonna go with like a, a like a four. Okay. Because, like, the action is there, and it's pretty good. There's some good fighting sure. going on. And the choreography with him being, you know, puppeted 
is quite good. Um, it is a bit repetitive. There's no backflips or jumps off walls or anything. Sure. So yeah, I got. Gotcha. I gotta knock it. I got gotcha. <laughs> you. Warren gets pushed off a chair, and they did put the stunt guy in there for that too. Which but I have. We to can't judge that yeah, one though because it's outside it's of the holodeck. In the holodeck. So we're not, oh, oh, yeah. oh! It'd be an okay. immediate five if that Morn yeah. throw is in there. Immediate five. <laughs> Uh, cool. Okay, are you sticking with two, Kiri? Sticking with two. Okay, great. Uh, suspense. I think that there's a little bit of wondering how, is like, Quark how, what the outcome is going to be. Is Quark going to die? But also, we know Quark's not going to die. So I'm going to give it personally a one. Hmm. I also didn't feel much of a sense of suspense beyond the opening scene where we find out that it is not, in fact. Miles and Keiko arguing. I think there was some right. suspense there. Um, otherwise, because hmm, and, yeah. and that's outside of the Hall of Suite anyway, so we can't rate it. So yeah, right, 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 right. you could even say a zero if you wanted. I'm I'm reconsidering. I, I think I agree with you once yeah. again. I'm gonna go with the one just because the only there is for me a little bit of suspense of if Quark is gonna die. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, because you know, totally. Okay, now our favorite category. Camp. Love camp. The costumes. I, I was just about to say Quark's, Quark's fit is so thing? fucking That's, fresh, dude. That's right. <laughs> the the K-less yeah, simulation. Yeah, 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 yeah. He gets a five. That. It's a big five. Yeah, yeah. That like I honestly I saw Quark and I was like, he kind of looks better in this than he does in his fucking. No, but maybe a four and a half because like, okay, but then I'm thinking of all like the tiki like episodes where they're like in some tropical paradise Ugh. with way more. I'm like incredible stuff. I, but okay. I'm going to throw out there also Dax's growl alone when she growls <laughs> at Worf and he's like, Oh yeah. To me. But was that in the holiday? Yeah, it was. Yeah. It's like at the, Fair? when, uh, when they're like starting the, Oh, they're in a different holiday. Yeah. Cause they're in uh, parallel holodecks. Yeah. Right. And to me, that that's like very much a Star Trek campy thing of like this is this is them showing Klingon culture, and it's supposed to be sexy. But how can this be right. sexy? Right. Um, okay. I'm sure people are into to that uh, sort of. I'm sure there's like a subset, like beastie stuff, beastie stuff, right? <laughs> okay. Beastie Anyways, stuff. yeah, it's a five for me. You say four Mostly and a half, Kiri? Of- yeah. Great. Yeah. And finally, <clears throat> the stakes. I mean, Cork gets laid or he gets killed. It's one or the other. I think that's whenever a <laughs> yeah, character's life is on the line, that's pretty big for me. Are the question yeah? are the safeties on? It doesn't matter are if the, the safeties, safeties are on or off because it's not a holodeck character that Are would, they not in but are they not in the holodeck when they're fighting? They are. They are, but he's not fighting like a holiday character. He's fighting a real. This is where you know. Again, this episode's kind of like marginally about the holodeck, right? Like, yeah. You know. But do the safeties? I thought the safeties just protected everyone. Because like, if you wanted to fight Miles O'Brien, and you know, and you didn't want to die, I think the implication is they turn it off because there's the there's a big twist in the in Quark not killing the Klingon who thinks that's he's going to get killed okay and yeah that's right, Quark that's right, yeah. is like I have I need I'm going to get killed if I don't have 
wharf Serrano de yeah. Bergeracking me in the other room. <laughs> we don't really believe that he, you know, that risk is there, right? Like, so I'm going to say in terms of stakes, I'm like three because you don't really believe the stakes. Well, the, here's the thing. You got you to gotta accept narratively that these characters can't die. But if they are put in peril... You know, because like otherwise you would be like, yeah, there's not, I mean, there's no stakes in any episode of Star Trek because. Yeah, but no, but that's I, I understand your logic. Mm-hmm. However, um, there are some there are some episodes where you genuinely feel those stakes. They're on, you know, a planet and there's something, risk, you know, that, mm-hmm. that, that that's threatening their lives. They're in some sort of situation. So sometimes the not on, this was a comedic episode. Right. And it was not an episode where you felt the stakes emotionally, even if they were there sort of logically, nor were you meant to feel them emotionally. So that's, that, that's my And that's a really good point, bringing in the genre. Like, yeah, you're watching effectively a rom-com, like Dylan said earlier. So you know that nobody's going to die. You especially know nobody's going to die. So, yeah, I think that's a really good point. I'm going to rate it a four still, but Kiri, mm-hmm. what's, what's your score? Three? Three? Great. Dylan? Uh, I'm going to give it a two because... Mm-hmm. The emotional stakes are there. You know, Cork could die. Yes. Uh, but yeah, I just didn't. I, you knew that he had what's his name in his back pocket, even when it did fail for a second. Um, Big moment. I didn't feel. I didn't feel mm-hmm. fear for his life because Cork always wins or mm-hmm. loses in like a very funny way, right? Which doesn't involve him dying, right? Um, like in the last so. episode of this, uh, the House of Cork. Cool. Yeah. Well, computer, give us our final score. Calculating. 3.64. So, yeah, 3.64. That is pretty high. That's a good That puts it at number 12 overall below Spirit Folk of Voyager. Uh, and which one's spiritful? It's is that a it's the Schweitzer? second Fairhaven episode. Uh, yeah, okay, uh, that is a good one. And above Killing Game Part One of Voyager, okay. which uh, we don't even particularly like Killing Game, but it scored high because it was like, all of randomly. The What's that done? Yeah, yeah. Is that the one that just randomly scored high, and we were like, this one isn't really that great. Projections is the one that we really don't like. <laughs> Okay. Have you seen projections? Of course, you've seen projections. It's the one where Barkley comes and the doctor's having a meltdown. Oh yeah, and, I remember yeah. that. Cool. Okay, Kiri. Well, thank you so much for being a guest. You're fantastic. It was yeah. an absolute pleasure, guys. Thank you for being smarter than both of us, so we could have a smart person on. <laughs> have I don't necessarily know that I'm smarter than anybody, but I'm flattered that you that you think so. Thank you for having a curiosity that we don't. Like, yeah, we're not, we have different curiosities. Maybe perhaps that's the better way of putting it. Yes. Um, and yeah, yes, we'd love to have you on in the future as well. But yeah, if, please follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Trek to the Deck on Twitter, Trek to the Holodeck on Instagram. We also have a Discord, uh, Trek to the Holodeck there. And that's where we have, we share memes and all sorts of fun Trek stuff and complain and enjoy and revel in Star Trek. Do all the fun stuff. Yeah. The computer voice was re- provided by Verona Blue, and the music was uh, by Bodyline, provided with permission by the Midwest Collective. And as always, we are a fan podcast. Leave us alone via CBS. Get off our backs. We just like your product. We pay for Paramount Plus. <laughs> We're Paramount Plus we podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, computer and program. 
friend spent virtually every free hour in the hollow suite. And for a while, I almost forgot he was a hologram. That means the holodeck safeties are off. Computer, execute complete shutdown of the holodeck. All holo simulations have been terminated. 